Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Colleges ban 9-11 memorials because they're not PC. What? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you are a terrorist therapist. Yes, I know, <laughs> you're thinking, scratching your head, what did I say? That's how I felt when I first saw this news. I said, colleges are banning 9-11 memorials because they are thinking that it is not PC. In other words, it might hurt the feelings of Muslims. Well, I'm all for not hurting the feelings of Muslims, but um, I can't help it that 9-11 was indeed uh, perpetrated by radical Islamists, radical Muslims, and um, it is more important to remember, memorialize the victims than to worry about um, who might mistake what this is all about because they're oversensitive. You know, some mornings I get up and I look at the news and I feel like Alice in Wonderland that I fell down the rabbit hole and I am in crazy town because the news is becoming crazier and crazier. We're not going to remember, memorialize the victims of 9-11 because we don't want to hurt the feelings of Muslims. You know, the radical Islamists, radical Muslims who perpetrated 9-11 should have thought of that. Well, let me explain what's going on because I know you're probably still scratching your head. What am I talking about, right? There's an organization called the Young Americas Foundation. It's a conservative organization and they help promote um, and support college students to in to get them to understand and be exposed to conservative ideas. Now, in particular, what they do and what they have been doing since 2003 is helping college students memorialize 9-11. Now, um, what they, what, if you um, go to their website, um, which, uh, I, I'll give you the, um, the website address. It's yaf.org, but don't stop listening. <laughs> you can go to that afterwards. Um, they, for this year, uh, and probably some past years, um, I actually wasn't familiar with this organization until today when I started looking into this whole banning of the posters and the memorializing of 9-11 victims. Um, so what the YAF, YAF is, org, is offering uh, college students on their website now is, first of all, helping them to get and to make an American flag memorial, helping them to uh, get funds to buy American flags and um, teaching them how to create a memorial. For example, uh, although Pepperdine isn't one of the colleges listed on their list of colleges having events for 9-11, and quite frankly, um, the list of colleges having events that, um, you know, having YAF 
um, sponsored or, or, you know, involved events um, is really small compared to the number of colleges in the United States. I mean, it's a fair number, but not a great percentage of, um, of all the colleges in America. I mean, that's not to say that other colleges aren't having events. So for example, Pepperdine is not on their list, but they do have every year, and it's really beautiful, they put up flags on the big lawn of Pepperdine University, and each flag um, commemorates one victim of 9-11. And it just looks, it looks beautiful. You know, um, Pepperdine is in Malibu, California, and uh, it's right by the ocean, and just seeing these flags waving and so on um, on 9-11. And they usually have it up for a whole week. Uh, surrounding 9-11 and it's beautiful and it's really touching and you can't go by there without really you know having a pain in your heart for all the victims. Um, so getting back to YAF, what would they also um, help people, help college students do is to organize a moment of silence or prayers on 9-11 at 9-11 in the morning and they also help students get speakers uh, to come to their schools. So, okay, so one of the things, um, you know, one of the big things that they do annually since 2003 is to have some kind of an event, some kind of a memorial on 9-11. So um, there is a school, what is in the news today is that there is a school called Ripon, um, which is in Wisconsin, and um, that Ripon College, and they have been told that their 9-11 Never Forget posters violate the school's bias policy because they focus, the posters focus exclusively on Islamic terrorism. Well, <laughs> uh, there was a meeting recently where um, between the members of Young America's Foundation and the campus bias response team at Ripon, and these people, a school official there said that the focus, that the, that the posters focus, quote, relentlessly on one religious organization, one religious group, one religious identity in associating that one religious identity with terrorist attacks which go back far before 9-11 and after 9-11, it creates for some students here an environment which they feel like they are not able to learn. Really? Um, they said the, this environment is where, quote, students from a Muslim background would feel singled out or harassed. Uh, and then they also say these, these um, members of, of the uh, administration at Ripon say there is nothing that this poster in particular adds to the conversation about 9-11 or about the politics of terrorism or about national security or responses to it that could be done easily and more constructively that couldn't be done easily or more constructively without it. I mean, you know, this is just um, gobbledygook um, to just as an excuse to not have a poster about 9-11. Um, the poster is a tic-tac-toe board with nine squares. The middle square says, never forget. You know, talking about the victims of 9-11, never forget them. And um, the other eight squares have images of terrorist incidents 
um, that were, yes, indeed, perpetrated by radical Islamists, because that's what they were. Um, I mean, these students from, from Young America's Foundation are not making up these pictures, uh, and they didn't make up who perpetrated these incidents, and they are all incidents of terrorism, as was 9-11. So, for example, some of the scenes, um, you know, there are scenes from 9-11, there are scenes from Benghazi, the Pulse nightclub shooting, an ISIS beheading, the USS Cole bombing, and the Iran hostage crisis. Um, you know, again, they didn't make these things up. They didn't Photoshop these, these photos. These were actually things that happened and that were perpetrated by radical Islamists. Now. Um, uh, so every year, these chapters across the country, the YAF chapters, take place in a 9-11 memorial program. They're sent the posters from the um, Young America's Foundation. They're sent the posters, as well as nearly 3,000 flags that students can plant in the ground to commemorate the anniversary of 9-11. They're also sent buttons stating, never forget. I mean, again, YAF didn't make this up. Never forget is connected with 9-11 because we should not forget all the victims and we should not forget the atrocity of what happened on 9-11 or it will happen again. So um, originally they started this project of, of memorializing 9-11 uh, in 2003 because they saw schools trying to sanitize 9-11 and not talk about who committed these terrorist acts. Now, I've been talking about that for quite a while, like last year, for example, on the anniversary of 9-11. I've talked about how if you listen to news reports talking about 9-11, you would think that it was just drunk um, pilots who ran into the World Trade Center because they were drunk, because, you know, they couldn't see any better and it was all an accident. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, yes, there was some coverage of the people at Ground Zero, you know, the saying uh, about who they lost and so on. But other than that, you would not know that terrorists no less is radical Islamists, had anything to do with 9-11. Now, this, um, I don't know, perhaps you've heard about this. It really has kind of been buried in the media. I never heard about this before today. Um, but in fact, um, the, the YAF, um, the student organization, Young America's Foundation, started um, this uh, memorializing of 9-11 in 2003 because they saw that college campuses were whitewashing it and weren't um, taking, making any kind of particular memorial to uh, remember the victims of 9-11. Now, so this, but there have been things over the years where other colleges have uh, had a problem with this. So for example, in 2016, at Saddleback College in, Cal in California, uh, there was a professor who was caught on camera tearing down posters with images memorializing the lives lost on 9-11. Um, and I, I've watched this video. It's, <laughs> it's, really, um, it's really shocking. Uh, this was, again, it's the poster that 
was put together by uh, the Young America's Foundation that they give out to different college campuses to help uh, promote the fact that on 9-11 there's going to be an, a, a memorial, a moment of silence or a moment of prayer and so on, that this is, you know, and flags at some schools to remember the victims. So, I mean, you know, since when does remembering victims of 9-11 become political? Uh, well, apparently, apparently as far back as 2003, and, and now I'll tell you about 2016, um, it is, and it's not, it's, and it still is in 2018. Um, there was a professor named Margot Lovett at Saddleback College. Uh, she is or was the chair of the history department. And she went around, and um, the video is so chilling. She went around, you see her walking from building to building, taking down these posters. Now, it turns out that, <laughs> that Margot Lovett had a history of um, being against this or, you know, not wanting uh, to, to um, remember the victims or, or being sort of against all our attention to 9-11, even back in 2001, after 9-11 happened. Uh, she made news in 2001 for endorsing an anti-American statement that was released by the Black Radical Congress as the um, as an analysis of 9/11. Now, the statement um, that she endorsed it starts with offer, offers of condolences to the families and loved ones of all those who lost their lives wishes for a speedy recovery, a strong condemnation of the attacks. But then it goes on to blame U.S. imperialism for, quote, genocidal levels of death and destruction, unquote, around the world, using examples such as the ongoing blockade and air bombardments of Iraq, the government's, quote, virtually uncritical, unquote, support of Israel's oppression of Palestinians, and the economic blockade against Cuba. Um, so, and, and, and um, the uh, YAF says that it's professors like Lovett that are the exact reason why they created the 9-11 Never Forget Project. Uh, Saddleback is a public school, Ripon in Wisconsin that I was talking about originally is a private school. That's the one that I was talking about that is banning these posters and so on um, this year. Um, so Saddleback, uh, um, despite this, they, uh, you know, they were trying to block in 2016 any kind of memorial um, at Saddleback, but they, they, the people from YAF at Saddleback woke up early in the morning on 9-11 and they made sure that they had put flags in the ground, one for each person killed. Um, but as they were, were assembling their memorial, this professor started tearing the, the posters off of the walls. And she told the students that they had to uh, receive, I mean, it, it's just a made up excuse. She told them they had to receive permission from student government in the form of an actual, a literal stamp of approval before they could hang the posters. And they redir she redirected them to one of the school's free speech areas. I mean, like, do you, can, you, can you believe this? We need to have free speech areas. 
at colleges. I mean, colleges and universities, I'm using them interchangeably, are supposed to be the very bastions of free speech. Why do you have to have free speech areas? Because, you know, um, to not hurt people's feelings. I, I mean, I know, I get that. Um, PC, it is, it is so scary that these kinds of things are happening at colleges, that in fact, PC has run so amok, I mean, not only in our society, as I've talked about many times, but at colleges, these are the people who are coming in, who are into our society, who are developing, who are going to be the leaders, uh, the deciders, decision makers in society. And if we have to have these safety zones, you know, these free speech areas to, um, uh, God forbid, hurt the, uh, <laughs> hurt the feelings of snowflakes, <laughs> uh, I mean, it is very, very sad and scary. So, um, so anyhow, this kind of thing, so, it's, so what I'm talking about that's happening in 2018 with the posters and the problems of memorializing 9-11 victims is not new. And again, this is why uh, this organization started doing these memorials since 2003 when they began to see, you know, two years after 9-11, they began to see that it was already being sanitized. And each year, the anniversary of 9-11 gets more and more sanitized. And this is so dangerous because the more we sanitize it and make believe that um, it wasn't radical Islamists who did this, we don't have to worry about them. There aren't terrorists who are still trying to hurt us. If we think that, have that mindset, we are going to be so literally blown away the next time there is a 9-11 or even a smaller 9-11, like what happened in Orlando. Oh, everyone's so shocked. What? What? You know, um, they're actually, there's somebody who did this in the name of ISIS or in the name of Al-Qaeda, um, you know, other attacks. I mean, it's not just ISIS. Al-Qaeda is still a force to be reckoned with. So um, anyhow, so that history, that's the story of, of 2016. And again, to go back to 2018, um, this, uh, the, you know, the, the, college, the college that uh, we're talking about, Ripon now, in Wisconsin, they were told um, that they had, just like in 2016, but this college, these students were told they had to also get some kind of special approval and so on. And they were told this, um, at the end of the spring semester of 2018, during finals, that their posters from last year were offensive and that they had to create new posters. And um, they were given the hint that they were offensive. And then this year, just two, year, two weeks before 9-11, they were told that they have to make new posters. Well, <laughs> that's a bit of a problem uh, two weeks before. Especially since um, these posters came from the main organization. But the students don't want to back down. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the people said, personally, we are scared that if we back down on this issue, our future events will be subject to more scrutiny. If we were only to post a picture of the Twin Towers, we fear that in a few years, that will be found discriminatory. And the bias protocol board, <coughs> that's the board that's, you know, disallowing these posters 
there, couldn't promise that they wouldn't. Our chapter is planning many events, like Shoot the Stress Away and a Cemetery for the Innocents. Those sound like interesting events. If we cave on this, what's next? And ironically, just to uh, highlight how horrendous this is and how we can never forget or else we're going to be having more 9-11s because we're not going to be prepared for them. Ironically, uh, other news today, this week, um, is about the one of the uh, most dangerous terrorists who might have been killed. Um, he is considered one of the most or the most dangerous terrorist since bin Laden. Now, <clears throat> there was a report that this man, Ibrahim Hassan al-Isiri, who was al-Qaeda's chief bomb maker, there are reports that he was killed during a U.S. drone strike late last year, but this is this has just kind of come out. I mean, they're try they've been trying to um, verify that this was true. So if the reports are true, and um, we need to be somewhat cautious of this because there have been prior reports of um, a Siri being killed, it would be the most significant terrorist removed from the battlefield since Osama bin Laden. Now, Asiri was born in Saudi Arabia, but he's been in Yemen as a leader of Al-Qaeda's affiliate in the Arabian Peninsula for many years. And his, um, why he's such a, a force to be reckoned with is that he um, is a, a particularly intelligent and creative bomb maker. And he's had a long history of building sophisticated explosive devices that you will recognize when I talk about some of them. Now, one of them, um, I don't know if, you, if you'll remember this, but in 2009, he recruited his younger brother, Abdullah, to put a bomb in his rectum in order to assassinate Saudi Arabia's most senior security official at the time, who was Prince Mohammed bin Naif. Now, uh, the brother, Abdullah, was able to get close to Naif by pretending to be a repentant terrorist. And he detonated the explosive device near the prince, but Abdullah was killed, and the prince, by some miracle, was only slightly wounded. So that was... Uh, that was one of the most famous, one of his first most famous uh, bombs. Now, after that, this you'll remember. Remember the underwear bomber? Now, obviously, Assyri had um, some kind of a fixation with um, rectums and other private parts <laughs> because he then uh, um, was the architect of the bomb that was used by the Nigerian Umar Farouk Abdul Mutalaba. <laughs> I can never. Abdul Abdul Mutalab. And, um, and that was in, on Christmas Day 2009. Remember the underwear bomber? Now, um, he had a bomb 
concealed in his underwear. He tried to detonate it aboard the US, a US airliner flying from Amsterdam to Detroit. But fortunately, he failed to detonate it correctly. And therefore, the 290 people on board were saved. But this was uh, this, uh, this guy who might have now been killed. And then in 2010, you'll, you should probably remember this, this same man, this genius bomb maker, Asiri, hid bombs in printer cartridges. And that, the point of that was to bring down multiple cargo flights coming to the U.S. And because these bombs couldn't be detected by the traditional airport scanners or by dogs trained to identify explosives. Fortunately, intelligence work from various countries, you know, putting it together, uh, managed to prevent um, an, an, a bomb from exploding in a plane. Then in 2012, he made non-metallic suicide vests, and that wouldn't have been detected by airport scanners. And fortunately, uh, these attacks were prevented. But then, and, and I remember this, um, he tried to surgically implant his bombs inside human bodies. And uh, that didn't work uh, yet, yet. And then um, most recently, he designed explosive devices that could be hidden in electronic, in electronic equipment, which is why the TSA requires or required that travelers remove laptops and iPads from carry-on luggage. So now, if he indeed was killed, um, this would be great, since he was obviously a very intelligent, creative bomb maker. But we're not totally safe, because during his years um, working for Al-Qaeda, he trained um, other bomb makers. So, um, you know, they presumably are still alive and have learned from him how to be creative and, and uh, make bombs that can avoid detection. So, um, now there has been a report, this comes at the same time as there has been a report recently, which, um, and this was by the United Nations, it was released, uh, which has determined that both Al-Qaeda and ISIS are, have still retained significant strength across the globe. And so, you know, we're, I try to help people uh, become more resilient, but now um, ISIS and Al-Qaeda are showing resilience, according to this United Nations report. And um, they, you know, even though we have, in other words, even though we have recuperated some land in ISIS territory, um, they have still remained resilient and they have still uh, rem ha had rem retained the capacity to, and the intention to um, <clears throat> create more terror attacks. So, Getting back to um, the colleges, why is it so important 
that colleges, and not just colleges and college students, I mean, of course, it's particularly important that college students remember the victims of 9-11, because as I was saying earlier, they are the future leaders and the future decision makers and the society of, of the future. These are, you know, and so 9-11, memorizing memorializing the victims of 9-11 and remembering what happened on 9-11 for all of us is so important. So, of course, the younger generations, I mean, you know, um, uh, college students it, it were either not born or were babies um, in 2001, when, you know, 17 years ago. Um, so, you know, they didn't actually experience the event as people who are older did. And so it's, it's harder in general for them to get their head around the, the horror of that day. I mean, you know that you ask anybody, an adult, somebody older than 17 or 18 um, or 20, uh, you know, people who people who were babies, let's say 17 or 18 or 19, um, you ask anybody who was around and could um, process what was happening, who saw it on television, who could process what was happening on 9-11. I just had a, you know, I was just at dinner the other night and everybody was talking about where they were on 9-11 and how horrified they were and how, you know, everybody has a story um, going on the, how close they were to, to ground zero, or even if they weren't in New York, other people um, remember, I mean, you know, certainly Washington, D.C. had its, uh, the impact of 9-11 and Pennsylvania, um, I know they too were affected specifically, directly by 9-11. But you ask people and they can tell you where they were when they first saw it, either actually directly, you know, in front of them or on television. And so for adults older than college students, we have a, a direct impact. And so it's more meaningful or more, you know, it's easier to understand why we need to memorialize the victims. So for college students and people younger than college students, it is so important to drive this home every anniversary of 9-11 because they didn't have the direct experience. And yet, not only is it important to remember the victims, but it's important to remember that these kinds of attacks are still likely to happen that terrorists have not gone home wagging their tails behind them and given up. So we have to remember this for so many different reasons. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carroll, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.